This is Geek Gamer Weekly, episode number 158, recorded on Sunday, April 3rd, 2011. Morgan Freeman. Geek Gamer Weekly is brought to you by the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Watch and listen to our shows and many others at techpodcasts.tv. Hey everybody, welcome again to another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. This is the Uber Podcast for geeks and gamers where we get together, we filter through the uh, the clutter that is out there to find the most interesting and sometimes unique stories in the world of gaming and technology. Uh, and we are happy to have you watching us if you're watching us late on a Sunday night at live.geekgamerradio.com. Uh, my name is Chase Nunes and I'm very happy to have you here. And uh, this week it's what we call the Bare Bones Skeleton Crew. And uh, we have John Kessler here. And I'm actually going to I'll put the camera on real quick and so you can say hi to John. John can't say hi to you because John is, is sick. So he's just going to nod his head. Uh, and it, this would be the part of the show where I would ask, hey, John, how are you doing? And he would say, I'm just ducky. But he's not ducky this week, folks. As a matter of fact, John is a sad duck. And this is the only time of the show that if you're watching the video, that you'll get to see him. Otherwise, he's going to be hanging out in the chat room at live.geekgamerradio.com. So make but sure of course, you- he won't be saying much, so it'll just be like any other show with John. That's true. So this week, it's just going to be the Chase and Joe show. And so here he is, folks, with his stunning Gunner optic lenses. That's right. I finally found him. I had to, I had to look for him, though. Beautiful. Joe Falby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or we call him Hi. Joseph Falby. Whatever. At Falby on Twitter. I saw Joe retweeted for the first time in a very long time. I, I don't think I've ever seen Joe do a retweet. So I was very, very surprised to see that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even remember what it was now. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. So It was something I thought was cool, though. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and since it's just going to be Joe and I this week, you're going to see a lot of the, uh, the split shot where I'll be on the left side of your screen and Joe with the uh, super not cool gunner optics on the right side of your screen. And what's with the hatred for the gunners? I don't know. Come on. I could, I could look at them. Out here. No, there you go. Thank look. you. Wow, everything's all white now. Uh, <laughs> it's all yellow when you put those on. So here, okay, now I'll put on my regular glasses. All right, so yeah. I can Joe, see. Will, Joe will be normal now. There we go. Is that better? Yes, that is much better. Joe, that okay. is 100% better. That it, you've just raised the standards of our show by like 20%. Cool. We'll have to remember to start all the shows off with Gunners so that they'll automatically be 20% better after that. That's right. That's right. Because it's supposed to help your performance by, what, 20%, right? That's really what it's supposed to do for you, right? Uh, I don't know if it's supposed to help gaming performance or not, but it's supposed to help eye fatigue and stuff like that if you use a computer for a while. Gotcha. So, over the uh, the past week, not a, a lot of huge stories in the world of, of geek and technology, uh, but one of the big things that's always fun to see what happens is on Friday. Friday was April Fool's Day, April 1st. Uh, 
And for the past almost 10 years now, Google has always had some sort of shenanigans, had some sort of, uh, you know, prank. Uh, they had the uh, wireless, or they had the broadband by toilet. I think they had one of those years. Yeah, that was one of my favorites. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this year, Google decided to go ahead and launch something called Google, or I'm sorry, Gmail Motion. And I'll play this short two-minute video of it. Hi, my name is Paul McDonald. I'm the product manager of Gmail. Over the past decade, advances like touchscreen technology have transformed the way we interact with personal electronics. However, when it comes to email, we still rely on outdated technologies like the keyboard and mouse. At Google, we've been thinking about how to solve this problem, and today I'm excited to share a new development with you. We call it Gmail Motion. Using your computer's camera and a spatial tracking algorithm, Gmail Motion interprets physical movement and turns it into actionable commands. This costs Google $5 For example, billion, dollars, by the way. To open a message, make a motion as if you were opening an envelope. I love that dude. To reply, <laughs> simply point backward with your thumb. To reply all, use both hands. To send a message, lick a stamp and place it down. <laughs> We've been working with experts in motion technology and semiotics to develop a language of movements that replaces type entirely. The movements are designed to be intuitive, ergonomic, and easy to do. Studies over the past 24 years have indicated that um, more than 80% of our total communication is body language. When you can incorporate a shake of the head, a gesture of some kind... That takes a really good camera, by the way. ...far more effective. Our bodies did not evolve to sit at a desk in a rigid position all day. And it is my feeling that Gmail Motion will free the regular user <laughs> from um, the constraints that modern society and our interface with our machines have put on the human body. We spent a long time perfecting Gmail Motion, and we're excited about the potential for it to help improve your email experience. So there for you go. For more information, visit gmail.com motion. So, Joe, gmail.com motion will give you the the opportunity to get into this. And by the way, if you go there, you come to find out that it's all a prank. Anything about that, Joe, that really stuck out at you as, as comedy gold? You know, um, honestly, it reminds me of the connect. Oh, <laughs> come on. Well, it does. Come on. You know, I know, but, but really, that's that's what we're getting to with the Connect, aren't we? The way you move around in front of the camera influences how things function on the on the game. Yeah, it's the same exact sort of idea, isn't it? Well, no. Google's just carrying it to the logical conclusion. Eventually, we'll just be you know w- waving our hands around in the air in front of our computers to get them to interact with us. Well, John's already doing that now. He's waving. Yeah, his well, arms. that's that's waves of frustration because he can't get it to work. I'm talking about trying to make it do things. <laughs> Well, you know, we always come back to the movie Minority Report, right? And uh, we see, you know, Tom Cruise and doing the wipes and the and then they move some video with a platter of glass from one area to another. Yeah, but that's that's not standing 6 feet away from your screen and waving at the air. That's actually standing right in right in front of a screen. That's that's more akin to um like Microsoft Surface or or that sort of technology rather than you know the connect or the or the google motion or any of that sort of thing oh and by the way joe can you lower your camera a little bit i forgot to frame you before the show that's not my fault that's my fault there you go 
you, you look better. You, you, we were seeing more. That's why you uh, see of, the top of the ball too. Yeah. Well, it, actually, it's kind of symmetrical. If you see the the the, the curve of the the snowball and the curve of your head. Oh, thanks. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's it. Looks good though. You come on. It's it's pretty symmetrical. Look mm-hmm. at that. Look, it's almost the same curve. It's. And if you and if you, I kind of, I kind, I, I was having a good time with this earlier. Actually, I was. Kinda yeah, that was. That was kind of yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the room is moving, but you're not moving. That's right. How does that work? That is incredible. Got to get it back to a spot where I'm actually comfortable sitting. But anyway, no, I, I think I, I agree. Minority parts cool. All that whole idea with the whole glass. I mean, minority part wasn't the first place to do it, but they were the the biggest movie to do it. And that's cool, but again, I think that's more surface, more than yeah. connect or anything like that. Because um, he was interacting with a screen. He, yeah. he just happened to be right in front of him and really, really big. Magnify, enhance. Right. Magnify, enhance. And, and yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, like I said, it just reminds me of the, of the logical conclusion of the connect. This is where we're going with the Microsoft Connect. Well, hey, you know, Microsoft has sold 10 million of these things. So, hey. It oh, must, and I, I would be, be remiss. I, I would be remiss if I didn't point out that someone took this Google Motion idea and using a Connect actually did it. So they built some software. Did a did a uh, uh, using the I don't know if they used the Dev Kit or not, but they built some software using the Microsoft Connect on a PC to get it to you know work with your email with your Gmail. So if you go like this, it'll reply to everybody, and uh, you know stuff like that. So. The future is here. The future is now. If that's the future, it's pretty disturbing, and I'd rather be left out of it. Well, don't worry. The whole world's going to end in 2012 anyway, so it doesn't really matter. That's true. Yeah. So Google wasn't the only company that was involved with April Fool's Day pranks. Uh, There was a lot of them, and here are the top 10. And actually, there's a number 11 that I'm going to throw in there as well. Uh, So obviously, we saw Google's joke, but one of some of the other jokes that were... uh, going around the web, was Spotify landing in the U.S. and dumping Europe. Uh, Spotify is the uh, really convenient music streaming service, but it's not here yet. Sorry, folks. Also, I don't know if you guys had a chance to check this out, but Hulu went back to 1996, and they had, like, frames, and they had the little construction dude uh, shoveling, saying, you know, this this site's under construction. It was really cool. Uh, did you check that out at all, Joe? Uh, no, I I didn't. I actually don't use Hulu. So. Tired of Angry Birds? Where you can now try out Angry Nerds from a software development company called Atlassian. Uh, but uh, there you go. Also, there was another Google prank called the Autocompleter. Did you see this one at all, Joe? Uh, I think so. Okay. Uh, there was mold on Reddit. <laughs> Uh, that one was that one was entertaining for the few people who were really really active on Reddit and yeah. got a lot of Reddit mold. Yeah, exactly. For everybody else, it was kind of a home. Oh, and then finally, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of ridiculous patents out there. Groupon, uh, that coupon related site, uh, applied for a patent as a joke, and you could check out the application on their on the website, but. Uh, but basically, it was all bogus stuff. Google went Comic Sans. Uh, all products, uh, they said, as of Monday, April 4th, all Google products will use the Comic Sans font. <laughs> and they have some screenshots up here. And, and it's it's tough to look at serious news stories with Comic Sans. 
And then finally, Toshiba and their spectacle. Uh, and this is a, a quick one-minute video. So if you're if you're listening to the audio podcast, you're you're definitely going to want to uh, you know check it out when you get a chance. Uh, it's pretty funny. We'll have a link in our show notes. But here we go. Seeing in the videos a lot of slow motion animation stuff with people. Ooh. Toshiba's new spectacle. Unbelievable 3D realism in a simple monocle. One-eyed 3D so real. Be careful what you watch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is awesome! It's so over the top. That that is that is really freaking cool. Uh, the Toshiba spectacle, um, also fake. Sorry, folks, and also Gmail Motion that we talked about. So, Joe, I got to say, uh, and number eleven, and some news story uh, news outlets actually reported this. I don't have a screenshot for the story, Joe, but you've heard of the company that does all the bacon stuff, like bacon salt. Uh, yeah. Well, they, they uh, quote-unquote, released a new product called Bacon Air, which was a can of bacon or air that smelled like bacon. And that was their Google. That was their April prank. And a lot of news outlets, even Como 4 here locally up here in Seattle, reported it as actual news on the 31st because the company released the uh, press release on the 31st thinking that it would hit most news outlets by the first. Yeah. So uh, I, I noticed actually quite a few of them go out the 31st, but I figured it was mostly because they were European or that sort of thing. Yeah, because they're always from one, a different time zone. They're one day behind or ahead right. or whatever. So Something. So, yeah, no, that got reported, and that was kind of funny. Uh, but out of all these, uh, I got to say probably the monocle goes above Google for this year, in my opinion. That was pretty epic. What do you think, Joe? Do you have any opinions on it? Uh, no, I, I thought the monocle was great. Um, I also really liked the uh, Comic Sans. Um, oh, yeah, that was pretty good, too. Because uh, everybody knows that Comic Sans is stupid, and uh, using it for everything is the best possible use for it. <laughs> so. Of course. Of course. I mean, it, it could be worse. They, at least they didn't use the, uh, the Avatar font uh, um, for the Avatar text. You know, I can't remember which one was now, but. Maybe not just the avatar font, but uh, the uh, what's the that one that name? he used for the for the subtitles for all the alien speak. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Um, how would you feel if you were Sony's CEO, accidentally revealing details about the new iPhone five? Would you be on Steve Jobs' S list? Perhaps, maybe. Uh, but the Sony CEO accidentally revealed secret details about the new upcoming iPhone five. Uh, in an interview late Friday with the Wall Street Journal, uh, this is not an April Fool's Day, folks, by the way. And, and by the way, I got to say, it, it's kind of tough trying to find stories and then having to do the research to make sure that it's not fake, that it's not, you know, spun a bad way. So, but anyway, uh, the Sony CEO excellently revealing details, uh, speaking with the Wall Street Journal's Malt Wasberg, 
Mossberg, sorry. Uh, the Sony chief was talking about earthquake damage to 15 of Sony's factories in Japan. And it inadvertently mentioned that a camera sensor made in one of those plants is on its way to Apple and that the sensor would be delayed because of the quake and tsunami. They didn't say specifically what sensor it is, but their speculation that's going to be an 8 megapixel sensor going into the iPhone 5. Does this just make you cream in your pants, Joe, when it comes to hearing stories about this? Or is this one of those, like, meh kind of stories, like it doesn't really matter? I don't know. I mean, I'm sure that Steve Jobs is upset about it because he's upset when anything, anytime anything leaks. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, oh well. So there's going to be an 8 there may be an 8 megapixel camera in the iPhone 5. We still don't have a release date. We still don't actually know what's going to be in it. The big question is, I mean, the, the bigger question and the more important question is, is the, is the iPhone 5 going to have uh, 4G or not? And that'll mostly depend on uh, launch time period was my, yeah. was my understanding from what I've been reading. But, uh, you know, I, who, who cares? It's, so it's going to have an uh, 8 megapixel image uh, sensor. That's, that's not that big a deal. Yeah. I, actually, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. That the iPhone, even with its five megapixel camera, has rivaled and taken some incredible pictures mm-hmm. when you compare it to some of Android's eight megapixels offering. So it's like, eh, you know, make sure yeah. you have good optics. I think that's the most important thing here. I, I, I really don't care how many megapixels you have. I want something that looks good. Yeah. You know, that's that's my concern. Well, I mean, to put it all in comparison, you know, all the spectacular photos we've gotten back from the uh, the Mars rovers. Oh yeah. Those are literally one megapixel cameras. Yeah, but they're they're outstanding photos, and it's all about you know how they're built, how they take the photos, the, the glass they use. Yeah, the glass. Of course, yeah. you know when you have a couple million dollars to spend on one camera, <laughs> you can get away with putting some pretty nice glass in it. It better yeah. be freaking good, I tell you. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, remember a few months back, Joe, when the U.S. government uh, has were, were starting to pull websites off the internet in the uh, in the face of piracy and, uh, you know, ICE enforcement. I don't know if you remember that. Uh, But it's kind of funny when you go back and look at it now. About 80 websites were pulled off for selling counterfeit goods. Uh, A lot of them was because of pirated music and other things. Uh, After two months on the silence, uh, the MPAA applauded the U.S. authorities for their successful enforcement efforts. They called it Operation In Our Sights. (laughs) S-I-T-E-S. <laughs> well, torrentfreak.com went through and, and looked at the data, and it, it turns out, really, there was a small dip in, you know, shutting down, you know, piracy or that sort of thing. But, you know, the thing about the, the web is the new torrent sites or the new pirated sites come right back. As an example, uh, Brian McCarthy had a website called channelsurfing.net. And once he was bailed out of jail, he started a new site under a new domain, channelsurf.eu. <laughs> so I, it just goes to show that you can't really stop it. I mean, it's one of those things where every time you, you try to put in a new encryption and try to stop it, it doesn't make a difference. The hackers find a way. What do you think, Joe? Oh, yeah, a 100% that way. And... Uh you know, the harder you try to repress a group, um, you know, or especially when it comes to computers and technology and, and the, those sort of people, uh, the more they're going to fight back. 
um, and the worse you're going to end up losing in the long run. I mean, think about um, the PS3 with the uh, when they removed the uh, other um, other OS feature from the PlayStation 3. Yeah, the group fought back, and uh, and then they instead of it just being a play other PC, they made it so that the console was basically wide open. You could run anything you want on it after that, um, or you know, other OS. Uh, it, it you know, it's the same sort of thing. They're they're you know, it's it's just a losing battle. It doesn't matter how many lawyers you're going to pay. In the long run, there's going to be fewer of them, and they're not going to be anywhere near as smart as the guys you're fighting against. Yeah. yeah. So you might knock a couple out, but there's always going to be five or six more that are going to step up to take place. Well, ever since the whole Napster debacle, where, you know, they took Napster offline, and then there was like 20 different things that come up after Napster, mm-hmm. it's, it's, you know, you're not going to stop it, but... Well, every single time they try to stop it, what comes up to replace it is even more decentralized than what oh, was yeah. there. Oh, yeah. So Napster relied on, on some central servers. When those went offline, the whole Napster network went down. Nutella came up, you know, which was the same sort of idea, but actually uh, you know, was more spread out, uh, had, had various uh, sources and that sort of thing. And when they started fighting against that, some of that went down. But now BitTorrent's come up, and BitTorrent is, the, you know, is even more extreme, where it's way decentralized. Uh, even the trackers, um, to some degree, aren't aren't that vital anymore. So, you know, it it like I, like I said, it doesn't matter what you what you do, how much you shoot it down, whatever comes up to replace it is going to be bigger and more difficult to try to control than what you just got rid of. Speaking of the United States government, uh, there is new uh, there is a new application being developed by the government, and it's one of these apps that I think all of us will probably want. Uh, if a cell phone is confiscated by a police or government agency, this, uh, the, the Panic Button app, which is an app being developed, will wipe the cell phone's address book, history, text messages, and broadcast the arrest as an emergency alert to fellow activists. Michael Posner, an assistant U.S. Secretary of State for Human Rights and Labor, said, we've been trying to keep below the radar on this because we have a lot of people who are working with and are operating in a very sensitive environment. So basically what this app will be for, and by the way, uh, since 2008, the United States has budgeted over $50 million to promote technology and to help out social activists. So think of it like this, Joe, where you'll have, your, let's say you're using your cell phone, you're, you're working in like Egypt or maybe Iran, and you're, you're about, you see the police coming after you. They're, they're marching your way and you're, there's no way out. So you hit the panic button app, and it destroys all your data on your phone. Obviously, to protect the secret emails and tweets that you may have on your phone. Well, but it goes one step further than that and actually sends out an alert to let other people who are in your group know you've been that you're, about, you're getting picked up yes. so that they can uh, start working to try to get you out. Yeah. Um, no, I, I think this is great. Uh, I'm surprised the U.S. government's working on this. <laughs> Uh, actually, I'm not surprised the U.S. government's working on this. They probably already have something like this in um, phones that they give to operatives that are overseas. Oh, yeah. Uh, but um, I imagine those are a little bit more custom than what um, than a, just a straight iPhone or a straight Android phone. So uh, so I guess that's not terribly surprising. But uh, it is cool to see that, that it's in development and that somebody's working on it. Because um, I know that trying to erase your iPhone you know, through the standard <laughs> method takes quite a few steps. Yeah, yeah it does. Uh, I guess the only concern I would have about this is you have to make it easy enough to get to quickly, but hard enough that you don't accidentally do it because it would really suck. Well, I think um, if you I accidentally think, hit the button and wiped your whole phone. Out. I think I think the way of doing it 
is where you set it up where, first off, if you're not using your phone, it's probably locked and you have some sort of pin code. So if you set it up where if you incorrectly enter your pin code maybe four times or five times, it automatically implements this program. Well, and with the iPhone, you know, you have the uh, you have the option to set after yeah. ten invalid entries, ten, it'll right. work the phone. And I know the BlackBerry has that built in. Um, and uh, I'm sure I don't know if you can set that on an Android or not, but they'll probably get there eventually. Yeah. Uh, which which is cool, but it doesn't notify the people that sh- that your phone just got wiped. I mean, that's what this I think really adds. Yeah. Um, the other thing is, is I, I I know a few people who are doing computer forensics, and they have said that. A Android or an iOS device that's locked with a pin code with the, the erase after 10 is extremely difficult to get unlocked and use as uh, evidence in court or anything like that. Malik, you know, he brings up a great point in the chat room. He says, you know, it's awesome, but they will push it overseas and try to outlaw it here at some point. I think if they were trying, they're going to try to outlaw it here, we have already would have seen it. I mean, like we've mentioned already, like you've mentioned the whole 10 attempts on the iPhone and it wipes out the data, they wouldn't even have that feature in there. Uh, you can already now remote wipe your phone using Find My iPhone. Uh, yeah. So there's, there's ways already now. They can't just outlaw it and say after the fact. I mean, people want their security. Companies need their security. Well, yeah. well they can try. I mean, that's certainly something they can try, but it'll still get around. Um, I remember hearing about the guy who originally developed uh, PGP, Pretty Good Privacy. Yeah. And officially, it was developed in the U.S., so he wasn't allowed to export it. But it, of course, got out there because it, it was on the Internet. It was just software. So eventually it got out there. And so every once in a while, um, he would receive these really mysterious emails from some group thanking him for this software and how great it is. And it's protecting their, their rebel group's uh, communications um, from whatever gov- government they're trying to overthrow. And uh, the way he described it is, you know, he was he was both glad to hear that it was having a big impact in the world and then also a little disturbed because he didn't know what kind of policies these groups that were trying to overthrow their government were actually had. Yeah. You know, he didn't want to, uh, to <laughs> cause the, his software to end up causing a coup and, and bring the next major dicto- dictator into power. But, uh, you know, it's it's the same thing. If it's once it's out there, once it's on the Internet, it, it's never it never goes away. Yeah, it's. It uh, Malika passed along a really cool uh, link in the in the chat room about you know warrantless cell phone searching gets a green light in California. This was a couple of months back. You know went through the uh, the California Supreme Court process where a cop does not need to have a warrant to search your cell phone. It's kind of along the same property. Uh, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know the details of the case, so I'm not even going to begin to speculate. But at first glance, it makes me think that it's kind of along the same lines of your wallet, right? You know, it's like, you know, if, if you've been arrested or they're, they're searching you for drugs, you know, if there's reasonable suspicion or probable cause, I should say, probable cause, that they can search the contents of your vehicle. And if your cell phone's in your vehicle, you know, out in the open, they can search it. They can't search a locked glove box, right? I mean, there's like certain weird. There's some weird restrictions, yeah. and the hard, the hard part. And I've I've heard a lot of people equate encryption to um like safe cracking. Yeah. That uh, you know, having something encrypted encrypted would be the same thing as having it in a, in a safe. But it's really not because um, if it's encrypted, it can take years and years and years and years and years and years to try to reverse. But if it's locked in a safe, all you need is somebody who's pretty good at breaking a safe open, and they can get into it. Um, 
you know, and that was that was related to uh, I think a, a guy suspected of child porn was refusing to give up the password for his encrypted databases. But uh, you know, and, and people were trying to compare it to safe cracking, and it, like I said, it really isn't. This situation, it, it sounds like um, they found a phone on him, and they used basically they they found one text message on his phone that they re- they interpreted as evidence against him uh, as part of a drug deal. Whether it was or not isn't that wasn't what they were talking about, but they did say that he was. Uh, uh, the trial court said that anything found on this person at the time of arrest was really fair game in, t- in terms of being evidence of a crime. So he had a cell phone on him and had a text message on it. He was arrested with the cell phone in his pocket. It wasn't even in the car. It was in his pocket. It was on his person. And, uh, yeah, just like a wallet, they used the content of that cell phone against him. Now, if he had locked his cell phone so they couldn't get into it. That's another story. That's a different story. Yeah. Um, but if it's a wide open cell phone and you're getting arrested, then I would imagine, yeah, just be like opening your wallet and looking inside yeah. your wallet. Um, yeah. You know, but I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. I mean, and, uh, I mean, and that's why, you know, I have a I have a pen code on my phone mm-hmm. uh, more, more along the fact of, you know, I have sensitive data in there. You know, I have a lot of pre-saved passwords going into financial information, financial sites. It's one of those things where you don't want people to, you know, get a hold of. <laughs> so, yeah. so if you have your phone locked and, and also have the ability to do a remote wipe on it, you know, it makes you feel more secure. And, and God forbid, you know, if I got arrested for something that I didn't do, it, you know, the burden of proof comes from the government. They have to try to prove it. And, you know, you don't want to give them any more ammunition than need be. Right. Uh, so you should walk, uh, lock it up. Do what you yep. need to do. Um, and, and so, you know, gosh, I know like what, uh, uh, Amazon, uh, not Amazon, uh, Android, you know, they have the finger gesture, uh, line pattern that you could use to lock your phone. I probably wouldn't even suggest you doing that because if you don't clean your phone, you could probably follow the swipes on the, on the glass. Maybe, uh, yeah. yeah. John uses like an 18 number code. I, I try to follow him once, but no dice. No dice on that. So, um, obviously, you know, I think if uh, if they're going to release a panic app, you're probably going to see it here. But I don't know if anybody here in the states would probably install it because they think then maybe the government's spying on them, huh? <laughs> I, I guess mean, it's possible. I mean, at yeah. least uh, on the Android, that could be a concern because they can have apps running in the background all the time. At least on the iPhone, there's the the limitation on what the apps are actually allowed to do if they're App Store apps. So, you know, we'd have to see it. It's hard to say. So here are uh, moving moving gears now and, and talking about uh, some more geek stuff. Uh, a recent story was released on ModernMan.com. Never heard of ModernMan.com. Must be a nice site. We're going to show you a page from that site. And that's five gadgets that you, the consumer out there, should not waste your money on. Now, we've talked about some of these items before on the show, and we'll talk about it again. First thing up on five gadgets that you shouldn't waste your money on is car chargers. Now, the power mat uh, we talked about as a as a you know we talked it as a tech geek item that just is like whatever. Well, they're not going away. Uh, the 2011 Chevy Volt includes a wireless charging mat in the center console. Uh, also, it's going to be uh, included in Buick, GMC, and Cadillac as well. Uh, as you know, the power mat technology eliminates the need for you to use a wired charger. So we'll stop there for a minute. Now, obviously, 
in order this for, for this to work well, we need to see maybe these devices have this technology built in. I, I bet you there's nothing more uh, PowerMet would love to have this stuff built into your phone or, or your device, but you can always do aftermarket add-ons. I've, I've never been a fan of the aftermarket add-ons, especially like the PowerMat one that goes for the iPhone because you got to kind of, kind of, it cups in, and then you can't really use many aftermarket cases for it. But uh, have you ever seen the PowerMat, Joe? Do you know anybody who uses the PowerMat? I, I don't. Um, I don't think I know anybody who uses one. I mean, I've, I think the closest I've ever been to one is just the demo units they have in stores. You know, yeah. that's pretty much it. Yeah. But uh, I mean, it's a cool idea if it was integrated. You know, if they could. Uh, if they could integrate it into the back panel on on like the iPhone or that sort of thing and make it not so that it wasn't any bigger, um, I, I think that'd be great. Uh, I'd have no problem with it at all. But um, you know, I don't see that as very likely to happen. Uh, it is cool that these kind of charging stations are getting installed in cars because I mean that's always just kind of a cool obviously idea. Power Mat's paying for that. I mean, obviously, well, I, I don't know. I don't know if car maker like GM is like, yeah, we're just going to throw that in there. No, I. It's kind of. It's kind of like Microsoft working with Ford on the whole sync process. You know, Microsoft's mm-hmm. probably throwing in lots of money on that. Uh, yeah. Same thing, I think, what's going on here with GM. I don't think GM's going, oh, yeah, this is a great idea. Let's just throw it in there. Well, no, there's, there's obviously some, uh, some combining there, you know, something going on there uh, about, uh, uh, you know, working together or, or money changing hands or, or that sort of thing. Um, and. You know, but it, it is a cool te- it is a cool thing. It is you know cool that it's going into cars. It's the sort of thing that I'd love to see in more cars. Yeah. However, I don't think that buying a car charger for your cell phone right now, if you don't have one of these power mat chargers, is a bad thing. Yeah. I mean, I have a charger for my for uh, actually for all of my phones in all the two different cars that I drive. So, um, you know, it's it, it's not a bad thing. It's just one of those convenience things, especially if. As they recommend a little later, using your phone as GPS. If you don't have a car charger or a way to charge your phone, if it's being a GPS, you're going to run out of batteries real fast on a long trip. Number two on the list is a non-touchscreen universal remote control. Now, as an example, they are showing the Harmony 1100 universal remote. It retails for about 400 bucks. It supports up to 15 different types of controllers. It comes with a nice little charging dock as well. Uh, I would say this. The Harmony 1 is about 200 to 250 bucks. You can find it online. Has a little mini touchscreen and it has a lot more buttons, you know, for like numer- n- n- numbers. God, I cannot speak today. Numbers and volume control and play playback record all that fun stuff. I I got to say the Harmony 1 is great. I know Joe, I, I think you have what an 880, right? Yeah, I have the uh the first gen Harmony 880. Yeah. yeah I mean and I, I really like it. Yeah. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it in for anything at this point. Yeah, I, I, I would say that I don't know if necessarily agree with number two. I, I would say, though, that if you are getting a new universal remote control, make sure it's a learning one, like a Harmony. I would go with the one if you could afford it. Uh, maybe you could pick up an 880 used. I mean, there's... Well, they have options. the... Harmony has the 650 for 100 bucks. That's their okay. cheapest model. All right. And um, can you plug the, that into a computer, though? Right, yeah. It, okay. All of the, the Harmony remotes are, are, um, are learning remotes. I'm sorry, no, they have the 300, oh, which okay. is 40 bucks, And it's a, uh, it'll control up to four devices. It has four programmable buttons on it. It doesn't have a screen, but it basically <laughs> does everything else that the other Harmony remotes do. And it's 40 bucks. If you're buying a universal remote and you're buying one for 20 bucks, 
buy this one. <laughs> it's only 20 bucks more, and I promise it's worth every yes. penny. <laughs> yes. It's awesome. I mean, really, uh, if, if you have a wife or a significant other, uh, the I actually got one for uh, for my grandparents. Oh, there you go, and uh, and programmed it up for them so that they you know can throw away the the Comcast or not the Comcast, but the the Cablevision remote or whatever the heck they have, and the uh, uh, and the TV remote. You know, all those are stuffed in a drawer somewhere now, and they don't have to worry about it. They just have one controller, and uh, when they're done watching TV, they can just push one button, and everything turns off. Uh, and by the way, one thing to know: John's coughs are starting to dial down thanks to the medication that I gave him earlier. Well, that's good. Yeah. <laughs> I turned off John's mic. He unplugged his mic. We can't hear him today. Uh, number three on the list is navigation systems. Uh, obviously, you know, GPSs are really cheap now. You can get them as cheap as 100 bucks, even less if you want a really crappy one. Uh, but take that $100 and spend it towards an Android-based smartphone. I don't know if this, uh, this article is a little biased towards Android because there's some good... Uh, Good stuff on the on the iPhone as well, but I think what they're talking about is built-in turn-by-turn navigation. Google Maps navigation is really sweet. I've seen it. John uses it. I've used it. It's really really good. Now it's got the built-in traffic detection system, which is nice. Joe, have you uh, now you're you're running an older Android, so you can't run the new maps, right? The new navigation. Well, I'm not. I don't know what the new navigation is. I'm running Android. It's running Android 2.1, which has turn-by-turn navigation, um, and it it's great. I actually really like the navigation. I don't know what would make it better if it was a new one. Uh, well, it had the new built-in traffic detection, so in case there's traffic on your route, it automatically reroutes you. Uh, yeah, I don't think this one does that. Okay. Yeah. So I don't think it has the traffic detection. It'll show me there's traffic, and it will show me alternative routes. Okay. Um, you you know, but I have ch- to manually touch the phone to get it to do. You might want to check to see if you can run the update, um, because I can't. Oh, okay, never mind. I promise. <laughs> Thank you, Motorola. Yay, Motorola. Yay, yeah. Number four, which is I do not agree with on this list. I don't know. I'm about ready to toss out Modern Man here because I'm not liking this list. Number yeah, Chase. We should ask you about about GPS. I use a GPS. I know. That's why I was thinking we should ask you. Okay. Um, <laughs> we can talk about it i mean it, it so why do you use a gps over using an app on your uh, on your iphone because we know y'all have you have an iphone as well well first off while i'm using my gps and all and i know that i have i even have gps apps on my iphone um the integration with multimedia is not very good uh so it, if let's say for example i'm using my iphone okay and so I set it up as a GPS. Now I want to listen to my podcast. So I have to sometimes navigate through the very buggy, not buggy, but just not very user-friendly system of trying to get to my music that I want to watch, or not watch, but listen to. Uh, the interface isn't very good. Secondly... Are you talking about using the interface in the GPS app or using well, you, the multitasking you, you, on the iPhone to do it? Uh, either or, really. Um, mm-hmm. Because some of the problems that I've run into is I have I, my uh, my iPhone is linked into my stereo. Okay, so uh, since it's linked into my stereo, I use the touchscreen controls, so I don't have to look at my iPhone when I want to listen to my podcasts or whatever I want to listen to. Um, secondly, I don't necessarily want my turn by turn navigation sound. I know I can mute it to come through my car speakers. Uh, but, but thirdly, 
I like having a dedicated unit because it's I got a bigger screen on my dedicated unit. I know I could get John's Evo for the Android. Uh, what is that? A five inch, John? Is that five inches? I don't know. Let me, John's. Oh, I better disinfect it. Uh, but here, I'll hold it up to the. So I'll let me do a real quick comparison here. So you know, you got your Evo. Here's the Evo, and here's the iPhone. Okay, that's a nice solid screen. Okay, that's a good size of screen. Try to look at turn by turn directions on this small of a screen while it's way up on your dash because you want to make sure it gets a good signal. It just doesn't work for me. Mm. Uh, my GPS has a five and a half inch screen, six inch screen. It does the uh, has built in traffic uh, detection and all that fun stuff. I so, know. So, so Chase, yeah. now that yes. you have a uh, that you have an iPad, yes, that I, I know you have one. You showed it to me before the show. Hold on, here it is. <laughs> okay, yes, and okay. your iPad has GPS built in. Uh huh. Why don't you just get a, a windshield mount for this? Oh god! Because this screen's <laughs> definitely going to be easy enough to read from, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I I have to I have to say though that I uh, or is that too big? Is that what you're thinking? Well, it might be that? too big, but <laughs> I wouldn't mind it. I think it'd be kind of cool. It'd be kind of like a Night Rider type thing, but or you know, whatever. <laughs> no, uh, honestly, I don't like some, the the ninety percent of the GPS apps. On the iPhone, I don't like them. I've tried a lot of the light versions. I've, I've tried some of the full versions uh, through other methods. I've tried them, and I and I'm willing to pay good dollar, but the, they're just not good. Sorry, I don't think they're good. The Street Pilot uh, app from Garmin is close because I really like Garmin's simple interface. I don't know why we're talking about GPSs for, forever, but I don't know, yeah, this is a little getting a little silly. This is a little it? long, but no, I like my dedicated GPS. I will say this, Joe. Mhm. I would get an Android phone just just for Google navigation alone. I think Google navigation is is really solid. I love it. I think it's awesome. And I would I w- would love it if Google Google says, "You know what? We're going to release one for the iOS." Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen, though. But I wish they would. I so would. I would love it. I would pay for it. <laughs> I would. Uh, number four on this list of five devices and gadgets that you should not waste your money on. Number four is DVRs and TiVo devices. What they're trying to say is with uh, devices like the Netflix and the Western Digital Live Hub that you can buy your shows with Pandora uh, and stream them. YouTube, Blockbuster. You can even go to the websites out there. So if you miss an episode or two, you won't have to worry about paying your cable provider for a fee for DVR TiVo usage. Uh, I don't agree, uh, especially for the fact, let's say you're watching a live event and you need to go to the pisser. You pause it you go to the bathroom and come back and not have to worry about missing anything. Well, if you don't have a DVR, forget that even happening. <laughs> Yeah. Um, that convenience alone, I think, is enough reason. There are many other reasons I could probably mention, but, you know. Joe, would you get rid of your DVR? Uh, you know, actually, um, not right now, but I probably am going to. Really? Yeah, but it's going to go with the whole cable service. Oh, so. that's right, because Frontier doesn't want you to have television yes. anymore. <laughs> 
I was listening to the radio, and they're doing a big ad push on the radio for uh, their their double play service with television and internet, and their television is through DirecTV. They definitely yeah. do not want to get in, they don't, they don't want to be involved with TV, which is really sad because I think second to satellite and maybe over the air satellite with DirecTV. I mean, I loved FiOS's interface on the TV. I think it was, I mean, the, the whole guide was just better than it, every- it actually works really well. I've yeah. been pretty happy with it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm probably going to go to uh, to over the air antenna and um, yeah. and uh, uh, online streaming for yeah. for 90 percent of what I'm going to watch. And I'll, I'll miss a few things. But you know what? It's not worth the the rather exorbitant fee now that everybody charges because. Yeah. The thing that annoys the hell out of me is how many people at this point, most people have or a lot of people have HD, and the only provider out there that doesn't charge a surcharge for HD is Dish. And I don't really want to go to Dish. You don't want to go to Dish. <laughs> no, exactly. But you know, everybody else, it's like, well, yeah, you can have HD, but only after you buy this package level, which is 60 bucks a month, and then you got to add the HD features, which doesn't even necessarily get you every HD channel, and that's an additional you know, 10 to 20 bucks a month or something. Yeah. It, I, I, want, I want a provider who will say, all right, you want TV, you want HD, here's only HD content. I don't want any standard def content. All I want are HD channels. And uh, if they're providing 100 of them, that's perfect. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to miss anything other than C-SPAN by not having HD. That's true. That's absolutely true. I, you know, I, I have to say that, um, you know, uh, this is probably maybe my final year of DirecTV. I've I've had DirecTV for a number of years and I've been very happy with the service. I think their their visual quality on their high definition channels is very excellent. I like how they handle their high definition offerings. Uh, you look at a system like Comcast. Sorry to pick on people that in the chat room that may know about Comcast, but <laughs> Comcast. I don't like the way that they they handle their channel mapping. As an example, if I watch Channel Four, which is Como News on on television on 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 their system. If I want to watch it in high definition, I have to go to 104, okay? They have two separate channels. The, 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 their system, the box, if I go to channel 4, it doesn't give me the high definition automatically. I actually have to go to the high definition channel. DirecTV doesn't do it that way. You, you type in 4, you get high def. If you go to ESPN, you get high def if you subscribe to that service. So I like yeah, the way... But- the way the way Comcast is doing it is the way land-based TV service has always done it. Um, you know, if there's a channel and there's and it's simulcast on another channel, you always get both. You can't just have one and then switch to the other one. And FiOS is the same way. Um, you know, FiOS has a block of channels up in yeah. the I don't even know what yeah. the number range is. Those are the HD channels, yeah. and they're all replicated somewhere else somewhere yeah. else in the range in right. standard def. Yeah. Um, so I, it's it may be a little annoying. But um, I don't think it's that bad. I'm used to it at this point. I, I never, I pretty much never go out of the HD block, and uh, to have the, the it set up the way you're describing it would probably actually annoy me a little more. Um, especially, I, I hope it defaults to the HD channel. And well, then that, gives that's, you the, that's the thing. You go into your software settings on the box, and you say, uh, "Show me only the HD. Show me SD and HD, or whatever." Or SD only. So when you go to the yeah. channel, it will give you the highest quality that is available for that channel, regardless. Which yeah, I, which I would like. I, I would have to have it set to only give me HD. Yeah, because it would drive me. It would annoy the hell out of me switching through channels and having the TV 
switch from standard def to a high def to standard def to high def to standard def to high def, um, you know, yeah. I, that would that would just be annoying. And not being able to easily see which channels are which, I think, would be annoying too. Yeah, I, I but uh, yeah. Like I said, I don't want I don't care. I don't want to have to fight. I don't want to have to deal with that issue. I want Comcast, I want somebody. I don't care what the provider is. If they offer an HD only package, I'll buy it. If all it has are HD channels, it doesn't support any SD channels, I'll straight up buy that package um unless it's super expensive. I'll have to add that little caveat, yeah. but you know, if it's all HD, I'll pick it up. Unfortunately, nobody does. It. Nobody does. Yeah. It, no. yeah. Cuz they're all jerks, and they don't care about the consumer. The number five and last item on this list of uh, whatever. Uh, home theater speakers. They're saying now that you don't need all these awesome speakers. You don't need 7.1 because you can spend $1,100 on the Yamaha YSP4100. It's a digital sound projector. It uh, features HD audio encoding. It, ha- it is compatible with HDMI, so it actually also acts as a HDMI switcher as well. You have four HDMI in and one out. Uh, so basically, you mount this on your wall, and it will project the sound through your room. And this thing is supposed to be so much better than having your 7.1, all these separate speakers. I, I don't know if the Dolby Labs Joe would be very happy with something like this. But I don't know. I, I can't knock it until I hear it. So I'm not I would think this is the sort of thing that would work really well in a perfectly square room. You know what I mean? Because then it would have walls that it can bounce the sound off and actually, yeah. you know, some of these possibilities could happen. And if you had one central listener, you know, but if you have people strewn about your room and, uh, you know, your room's not square, you know, like, like you have the, the way you have seating in, in, your, in your living room there, um, you know, there's people sitting at all different angles. And so some people would get the channels that were intended to bounce off the wall and some people wouldn't. Like my room, you know, there's a big open space on one wall and, and you know, I would think that it would have a hard time bouncing the sound around. I can't imagine this would work as well as separate discrete speakers. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, yeah, I guess I'd have to give it a try in the house to find out because I wouldn't, I wouldn't trust testing it in a, um, you know, the back room of fries that is set up for this thing. Yeah, <laughs> I'd, I'd want to you know actually take it to a house, especially if you're spending eleven hundred bucks on one set of speakers, um, you know, or one speaker five. I don't know who knows how many speakers are in this stupid thing. Um, whatever this thing is, spending eleven hundred bucks on it, I'd want to be able to take it home and uh, and test it to make sure that it actually doesn't sound terrible, um, or at least I'm sure it sounds better than your st- than stock TV speakers. But I can't imagine it sounds as good as a five one or a seven one system. I'll, I'll stick with my five point one. Or I'm, Kenny's six point one system he says he has, which must be really interesting. Or or twelve point one. Kenny has a twelve point one speaker system? No, maybe a fifteen point one. I'm 15. not sure. It's it's a know. lot. It's a lot of speakers? He's got a lot of speakers. Is it is it quadraphonic six point one? Is it's that quadraphonic is? sound? <laughs> He's got an eight track too, by the way. I I believe that. Yeah. Actually it's not a, it's a four track, I'm sorry. Four track. Oh system. it's a four track. Yeah, four track. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. Uh <laughs> final final geek story. Uh, and it's one that I, I, I particularly like. Uh, I'm a big baseball fan, as you probably can tell if you're watching the video. I'm wearing a Mariners gear today uh, in support of the Mariners. But I'm also a huge Giants fan. I was very, very excited when the Giants won the World Series last year. World champion San Francisco Giants. Well, a lot of ballparks are taking that money, not only spending it on brand new ball pair, uh, players, but they're also spending it on ballpark upgrades. Uh, CNN, uh, with uh, the help of Wired, 
went through and, and checked out some of the ballparks this year that are getting upgrades. Some of them are getting uh, new uh, all ballpark-wide Wi-Fi access. No doubtly, that will take some pressure off the local cell towers. Uh, LED high-definition ribbon boards for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But they went around the league, and they looked at some of the deeper, more significant upgrades. Uh, for example, the Houston Astros at Minute Maid Park will join the Milwaukee Brewers and the Minnesota Twins as the only MLB teams to feature a scoreboard with a 1080i display format. So they're going to have a beautiful, huge screen. Uh, there's a 54 by 128 foot screen. Huge. 2.6 million pixels on that scoreboard. Uh, the Boston Red Sox at Fenway will also be getting a new scoreboard over in right field. Uh, it will display graphics and full motion video. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies at Citizens Bank Ballpark will be getting a brand new 76 by 97 foot LED high def scoreboard in left field. Uh, they're saying that the resolution will be one of the clearest scoreboards in the world. Its HD 15 display will have 1,500 lines of resolution that will surpass the standard for 1080p. Uh, the Cincinnati Reds will be basically putting in mini cell towers, you know, like femtocells, cells, uh, that will allow you know your iPhone or iPad or Android device to connect on a 3G or 4G network through their ballpark, which will be very nice. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers at Miller Ballpark will also be getting a new high-definition scoreboard, 54 by 110 feet. There'll be a 1080i display there. The Seattle Mariners is actually making some updates as well. They'll have a new LED scoreboard in right field and also an LED ribbon board that will stretch from the foul poles from first to third base and to the press box. Uh, so they'll also have a 6 by 160 foot scoreboard above the right field outfield reserve seats as well. And that will complement the out-of-town scoreboard in left field as well. So uh, the Minnesota Twins is also getting a new high-definition screen. And as uh, some of the new tech, the Tampa Bay Rays is also getting n- new field, uh, new AstroTurf technology as well that will cut down on light reflection. I mean, really, really a lot of cool uh, upgrades. Uh, you know, me being the geek at heart, uh, last year when saw the San Francisco Giants play, down in California, and they have a beautiful high-definition screen right in dead center field, and they have the LED ribbons, and it really adds to the atmosphere and the effect. I know some baseball purists will be like, oh, all these HD stuff and all these antennas, who cares? But I like the tech at ballparks. I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, hell, even Safeco Fields had the uh, Nintendo DS network for a while now, Joe. I mean, do you like geek and tech stuff when it comes to sports and ballparks and things like that? Sure. Oh, come on. You got to say more than that now. Be more, uh, be more passionate as a, a survey once. Sorry, I was to trying be. to channel John. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's you did, you did, you did yeah. a great uh, job. You did a great job, by the way. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I, you know, the last time that I, pl- I watched a sports game in a, in a field was the last time that I went to a um, Mariners game with you. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So I've been thinking about trying to get out to, um, you know, we have a, a pro soccer team in Portland now. I've been trying to think about picking up a few tickets and going out and seeing that at some point. Um, it just doesn't work all that well for um, for time and the fact that I have to drive all the way into freaking North 
Portland. But, um, but uh, you know, I, I don't know. It's cool. I mean, for people who go to a lot of these things, I could see why this this stuff would be really cool. I think that the uh, the best thing, you know, uh, through reading through all the stuff, it sounds like it's all big screens and you know scoreboards and and new informational type things for the fans sitting in the seats. I still think that the the coolest thing I've seen so far is the uh, is the DS integration at uh, Safeco Field. Um, the idea of being able to bring up all the stats on a player and and see all the information and all that kind of crap, um, I think that's that's just really cool. So I, um, the rest of the stuff is interesting. You know, having bigger screens, it's all like you know, well, duh. but uh, that that integration, I think that's actually a real advancement, and it'd be nice to see more stuff like that. I'd love to see a an iPad app or an iPhone app or even an Android app to allow you to do the same sort of thing. Um, when you're sitting at the game. Well, speaking of which, Joe, I will. I have to tout the MLB. Uh, you can't really see it too well on the screen here, but this is the MLB 11 app uh, for the iPad. Uh, it's really cool because while you're watching a game or watching it live, you can plug in and, and watch the video stream. Uh, you can listen to the audio radio stream, uh, but you can see where the pitch locations are. You can pull up stats on any player. Uh, at any time, you can jump around the league and look at the out-of-town scoreboard. Um, it's a great app. I mean, it's solid, well worth the money. I think it's like 15 bucks. I think. And you get all the uh, the audio and radio feeds. Uh, or, I'm sorry, audio and radio. Just radio feeds. If you want the video, you have to pay for an MLB.TV subscription. Uh, but for the month of April, Volvo is sponsoring free video for everybody, which is nice. So... There's our geek stories. If there's any stories that you would like us to talk about or anything at all that's geeky-related, any questions that you want us to try to mull over and answer, you can send us an email, ggr at geekgamerradio.com, or you can head over to our website at geekgamerradio.com. On the right-hand side, there's a Contact Us button. You click on that, it'll take you to a form. You fill it out. It's kind of like, you know, you fill it out, you'll put a stamp on it, send it our way. All that fun stuff. You ready to talk about some gaming, Joe? Sure. All right. Let's do that. Valve is saying that they are not done with our buddy, not Morgan Freeman, Gordon <laughs> Freeman. <laughs> there was some confusion about that earlier. Yeah, we, we, we had some problems in the pre-show. <laughs> John's dying over here. <laughs> <laughs> My friends. Going through three miles of that stuff. All right, anyway. Uh, so Valve, uh, Valve Software's Doug Lombardi made it clear, and he said his quote with the, in an interview with Australian Gamers, you will ever see it, yes. We are not done with Gordon Freeman's adventures. I have nothing other to offer than to tell you today, but hang in there with us. So... He's basically saying that fans, yes, we're going to see a new Half-Life game coming down the pipe. Uh, but he didn't say if it's going to be Episode 3 or a whole new Half-Life game. Obviously, Half-Life's been around for a number of years. And no doubt, everybody out there is looking for a new adventure to sink their teeth into after Portal 2 and Counter-Strike and all the other great Valve games. Um, are you looking forward to another edition of... Uh, this game, Half Life, Mister Joe. Definitely, yes. Um, uh, although I have, and a few other people have posted this idea or put forward this this possibility 
and that Portal 2 is going to contain the announcement for the next Half-Life something, oh, whether really? it's an episode or a, or a whole or the whole game, that Portal 2 will lead almost directly into it um, and will sort of contain some of that that information because the there's some possibility that the character in Portal um, is going to be going to the same place where the people were going at the end of Half-Life, Half, uh, Episode 2. Gotcha. So if that happens, because there was a lot of reference to um, Aperture Tech in Episode 2 when you played through it. So... Oh, that's interesting. Uh, notes in the in the forums is saying that the character in Portal may be Alex Vance's mom. So I don't know if that's confirmed or not, but that would certainly uh, uh, lend credence into things. So uh, it is obvious that uh, um, that the two worlds are very closely related, and uh, it was pretty conclusively shown that Portal came well before the Half Life uh, games did. So. So it should be interesting to see how this goes, but uh, I, I'm really looking forward to it. You know what? I've I there are very few things that Valve has done that I've been disappointed with, um, though that may change with what is it? Dota, Dota Two? I don't know. I don't. I never got into that Dota One either. So who cares? But uh, I would love a uh, I'd love a new Half Life game. Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there who really would. Um, it is going to be kind of ironic that Duke Nukem Forever is going to come out before the next Half Life game, though. Um, well, we, well, Duke Nukem hasn't come out yet, though. Well, right, but so, but I mean, <laughs> realistically, it's yeah. it's going to come out before. Yeah. Uh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably. I mean, that's true. We don't. Somebody did say. Uh, somebody else said at one point that Valve is about the only company that could stealth launch Half Life and still have it be a success. So. <laughs> now, over the weekend, Joe, I had a chance to check out the Nintendo 3DS. Have you had a chance to check out the 3DS yet? I have not. Not yet. Okay. Have you heard about the reports of it making gamers sick? Well, I, I knew Nintendo before it launched said that you shouldn't play it for an extended period of time because it could uh, it could be bad for your eyes and you could get headaches from it. Yeah. Well, so while they, it is apparently re- it's living up to that expectation. That's correct. Yes. Uh, many, many gamers are complaining that it is making them sick and giving them head headaches. Uh Nintendo is saying that uh, for a couple things. First, you shouldn't play longer than 30 minutes. Now, if you want to play longer than 30 minutes, I don't know if you can see on this picture. I'm, I'm showing it here on the video, and I'm going to zoom in on this picture. But if you follow my little... Uh-oh. Uh, uh, uh-oh. Stop. Stop. Computer, thank you. All right. Uh, if you notice on this picture here, see this little uh, lever right here? I, I'm, I'm using my cursor to sh- circle around it. Uh, right where it says 3D and right it goes to off. Off, yeah. So this is a little slider that you can adjust the depth of the 3D because obviously we all, you know, see things differently, and we may need to adjust the depth for the 3D to take full effect. Well, you can slide that all the way to off, and then it turns this top screen into just a normal screen. So if you really, really need to keep playing, folks, you can just turn it off. Now I tried it. Uh, I I forget the name of this game that I was playing, but it's basically you're flying a little aircraft. And I got to say, I was impressed with the technology. It was really cool. Is it worth $250? No. Would I buy it for $199? Maybe. $249? No. But I got to say, it's really cool. Um, It's neat tech. Um, It felt good in in my hands. Uh, It was definitely an upgrade for sure. Neat effects. I'd probably get sick after half an hour or get a migraine or something, but uh, it's cool. But I'll stick with my DS for a while. What about you, Joe? Not ready to pull the trigger yet on $249 of great goodness? 
Uh, no. Uh, I one thing I'd like to play with though before if if I were to pick one up is I'd like to play with the uh, 3D camera. I think that would be kind of oh, interesting. Yeah, and it, I didn't get a chance to do that actually. Um, that's that's the that's the one feature that I thought would be kind of fun to play with is the 3D camera. See what you can do with that. Yeah. Um, what kind of cool effects you can pull out. Um, this this site though that's talking about it, people having headaches does does mention at the bottom of the of the thing that it. Um, that the DS uh, 3DS has already become the most pre-ordered games gadget in Amazon, and this is Amazon UK, uh, Amazon UK's history. Wow. Um, they uh, they said the 3DS has received more orders for the gadget than any other console with 70, 71% more orders than for PS3 in 2007 and 123% more orders than for the Wii, um, which is pretty amazing. Uh Nintendo uh, Japan or Nintendo actually says they've already sold 141,000 3DS consoles, despite many reviewers saying the 3D effects were not that impressive. So, um, I guess even if it's even if the 3DS isn't all that you know people are hoping for, um, there's enough people still drinking the Kool Aid that it's it's going to be a big success. Um, I'd like to play with one. I haven't had the chance yet. Maybe I'll uh, run out to fries at some point and and grab one and uh, see how it looks. Um, I guess I could always rent one for a couple days. So, we're back again to the stories about how PC gaming is dying and consoles are reigning supreme. And there was a story that was recently released from MaximumPC.com. So, remember, this is going to be a little biased because this is coming from a PC-centric website and magazine. Which, by the way, I am a subscriber to, and I think it's a good magazine. Uh but uh, an article here written by Nathan Grayson discussing the 12 ways consoles are hurting PC gaming. Uh, you know, ranging from delayed or glitchy ports to dumbed-down sequels. Talking about the future isn't now, meaning, you know, consoles are now five years old. And, you know, there's, you know, obviously the PC technology is still pushing forward, but consoles are, you know, they're five years old. Also talking about lousy interfaces and controls. Meaning is, you know, a controller is not the same thing as a keyboard and a mouse. Now, there is no modding community on the the console side of things. Uh, There's a lot of different reasons. Uh, You know, for example, you know, autosave on the the consoles. The games for Windows platform, which we've talked about here on the show. And connect. And then obviously also, you know, dedicated servers, uh, post-release support where, for example, uh, if you want to uh, have packs, you have to pay $15 for a map pack and, you know, all this crap like this. I mean, we've, we've talked about it a lot here on the show. We're, we're definitely P- PC-centric. And I brought this story up, Joe, because you and I, you know, and John and a lot of our viewers and listeners are or big PC gamers and console gamers as well. And I have a cool console gamer story to follow up with this there in a minute. But is there any hope, Joe, for, for PC gaming? Or is this just basically one big cycle and we're at the, the bottom end of the, the PC cycle? I mean, we see so much cool technology coming down the road and you have ATI, I'm sorry, AMD and NVIDIA still fighting it out for the fastest gra- uh, graphics uh, you have Intel pushing out the fastest chips. AMD still battling with that regard as well. You see new hardware all the time coming out for the PC. Is is it dead? I mean, 
or do we have more to hope for? I don't think PC gaming is dead yet. Um, hopefully it won't be dead for a while. But uh, we'll have to see. I mean, it is. I, I think this article is, is largely right, though, that consoles are definitely hurting PC, gamer, uh, PC gaming. I know one good example of that is uh, Crisis 2, which just recently uh, was released uh, just last week, I think. Um, someone actually has looked at it. It actually has lower resolution textures than Crisis 1 did. Um, and that's because they had to make the textures capable to run on consoles. And obviously when they pushed, pulled it over to the PC or vice versa, however they did it to get it onto the PC, um, they didn't bother putting in the higher res textures. They left the console textures, um, which is a big problem. I mean, it, it was like noticeably different. You could, uh, you could, they had two screenshots, both looking at a very similar texture that was grass type and one was crisp and clear. It looked really, really good. And uh, they said it was a texture from um, Crisis 1 in the Crisis 2 engine. And the other one was the Crisis 2 built-in texture. And it basically looked like a pixelated collection of little green sticks. Um, so I, I think this is right, though. This is, hurting, this is hurting PC gaming all the way across. I think Games for Windows is a failed platform. Um, I do not like it. I know a lot of people don't like it. Um, I think Steam is a much, much better system than Games for Windows. Uh, but Microsoft is, you know, seems destined to push it on us. Uh, you know how I feel about the connect, um, <laughs> and dedicated servers. That's a huge issue for me. Um, I think we should be supporting right now, especially we should supporting, be supporting any company that releases dedicated servers to the general public. Um, when I talk about dedicated servers, I don't mean dedicated servers that you, that another company can put up. I mean, a dedicated server that you can download from the website, set up and run it. Um, which, uh, is, uh, few and far between anymore. Seems like Valve is uh, one of the only companies still dedicated to doing that. And uh, um, a game that just came out, uh, Homefront, came out a couple weeks ago. They said they were going to release them. Um, they said they were going to release them probably about ne- last week, and they haven't been posted yet. So uh, we're still waiting. They did say that it will be released on or about April Fool's Day. So it could be out any day now. Um, but it sounds like they're dedicated to do it. So I strongly recommend anybody who wants dedicated servers for their PC games should support the Homefront group. Um, the game is is good, you know, eighty percent ish. But uh, if it has dedicated servers, it's worth every penny. I, I guess the question is, if developers, you know, they put out the the dedicated server. I mean, how are they going to know that we're purchasing the game for that? I mean, well, we need to buy we need to buy games that have dedicated servers and not buy games that don't. Yeah, but how are they going to know really that we're buying it because of that reason? Uh, well, you know it. It doesn't matter if they realize that or not, right away at least. Because like if Homefront releases Homefront 1 with a dedicated server, and then they go and release Homefront 2 in a, in a couple years here. And Homefront 1 sells you know millions of copies and does really, really well. And so they're all enthusiastic about releasing the second one. And the second one, they decide not to release dedicated servers. Nobody buys it. Uh, you know, hopefully the message will get through eventually. And also, you know, I mean, you can always contact the developers, tell them that you want dedicated servers, tell, tell them that you appreciate having dedicated servers. Um, you know, and, but again, the only thing that's really gonna, I mean, all these messages, all these, these, uh, um, you know, everybody get signed, get together and sign this sort of thing. All of these things aren't going to do Jack if we're going to keep buying the games. Um, you know, it, it's just aggravating to see, to see a steam group get together that says, uh, Modern Warfare 2 won't have dedicated servers. So nobody buy it. And then 80% of the people in that group, as soon as Modern Warfare 2 drops are playing it. You know, it's that sort of thing is just stupid. Um, yeah, it is. 
It's frustrating to see, and when you see that kind of thing happen, then the the game developers like, well, you know what? They're going to buy our game anyway, so we're just going to leave it out. Right. If if they can make a number one game and uh, or make a game and and people are going to say, well, we're going to boycott it, and it still sells to be the number one game in the U.S. Yeah. It doesn't matter. No, no, and it, and it's frustrating to see. It, it really is, and it's just like. You know, put your money and invest it in, in to quality developers who still believe in the platform. Yeah, and really, it's good to see you know major manufacturers like AMD and Nvidia who still believe in PC gaming as a whole. Otherwise, why would they still trying to come out with the, these these types of items? You know, and uh, yeah. video cards, faster video cards every year, and yeah, and I mean, people still buy them. That's yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to. So as long as there's still gonna, a market, there's still going to be people, you know, companies making PC games. It's just going to be a question of what kind of quality we're going to get, and if we're going to get consoles hand me downs, is it really that? Is that really what we want? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things that we need to support. We need to make sure we do that and uh, keep gaming it, and that's what we need to do. Uh, well, uh, I'm looking at the show clock here. I think we're going to talk about the games that are coming out this week. The highlights, if you if you want to call it. Uh, we've made a decision. You want to skip this other console story? Uh, what was the other console story? Well, uh, PC games had bad graph. Grap- oh, that's right. Eggs. I was going to talk about that. Yep, you're right. You're right. Then we'll go to the releases. Yeah. Great. So, obviously... <laughs> You know, this whole generation now of gamers who have been basically brought up on the new next generation consoles, you know, Xbox, PlayStation, moving into the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3. So they they don't know what PC gaming really is all about. (sighs) Well, there are some very very funny people in this world. Um, And... Obviously, you're going to want to come back and check out the show links if you're only listening to the audio version because you're going to want to see the story. But if you're watching the video version, we have a screenshot for you to take a look at. So uh, I'm going to bring up the screenshot here and and make it a little bit bigger so you can see it. Um, So on the left here, you have a screenshot of Half-Life 1. No, you don't. No, you don't. Actually, it's not That's him. not even Half-Life 1. <laughs> what is that, actually? That's Deus Ex. Uh, Deus Ex, okay. So this guy goes, wow, okay, let me show you something. So he says PC on the left here. He's saying it's Half-Life. And then on the right here is a screenshot of Battlefield 2 Bad Company for the Xbox. Yep. Actually, it's for the 360, but who counts? So he says over here, one PC. And actually, let me make it a little bit bigger for people in the video. Or- it's important to note, too, that Bad Company 2, everyone knows, came out last year, right? Yes. Deus Ex, the original Deus Ex, which is what he has a screenshot of here. This happens to be the lobby. Yes, I've played the, yes, I've played the game too much. Um, <laughs> it, it's a spectacular game. If you haven't played Deus Ex, you need to go back and play it. The graphics aren't, that spectac- aren't really that great on it, but the gameplay is awesome. It's probably one of the best FPS RPGs ever made. Um, anyway, that's the lobby uh, on, uh, on the island uh, where sort of Unatco is based, which is a group. Anyway, that game was released... Back in 2000. So that is at least 11 years old now. So, I, and I do want to apologize for any of the bad grammar or bad spelling you're about to see. Yeah. Uh, we don't support it. Uh, the really bad spelling. Yeah. So, uh, so he says, one, PC has bad grap gicks. 
to a whole bunch of nerdy gay s at the bottom. Three, bad gameplay. Four, low hardcores. Ever heard about a professional FPS PC game? Oh, I can name a few. Let me show you a real competitive or competitive FPS game. Hint, it's called Halo. Maybe look it up. And he shows a little screenshot of Halo here. And then he says, for the console games are, one, more graphics, two, competitive gameplay action, no need for lame-ass nerd gadgets and S, three, fantastic gameplay, comma, 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 and then four, the highest hardcores from all games on all systems. I honestly don't know, N-O, what else to say. Yeah, I don't know what else to say either. <sighs> it, it's, seeing, it's seeing crap like that, Joe, that makes me want to take kids. Oh, wait, I, I can't mention that on the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Joe, yeah, what do we yeah, do? It's, it's frustrating. Uh, I mean, the scary thing about this is you don't, you don't even know if this is a kid. This could be a, an adult. You know, a, yes. a, well, I mean, a kid, relatively speaking, could be a 16, 17-year-old guy who just, you know, the only thing he knows how to do is send text message and play on his Xbox. I mean, we all know, Joe, that consoles do have better graphics than PCs. I mean, we know this to be true. What? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, the frame rate is always constant. Always. Uh, Jeez. Uh, and all the games are at 1080p. All of them. They all run all of them. F- Every single one of them. They all run at full resolution, Joe. They all mm-hmm. they, they all look great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Uh <laughs> yeah, this is it's it's it, it is a little bit sad, actually. Yeah, that that sad. there are people out there who believe this and and believe this well enough that they actually post it online. Um you know, there are some really, really exceptional console games, but there's also some really exceptional PC games. And I would say there's probably more old exceptional PC games than there ever were console games. And I love the comment about low hard hardcores. Ever heard about a professional FPS PC yeah. game? <laughs> I assume he means PC gamer, which means that he just completely forgets about CPL and Cal and all the other game series, you know, the the pro, so to speak, pro gamers that were playing for years. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing a few of those guys team up and beat this guy down a little bit. But, yeah. you know, it, it, is, it is a little funny. <laughs> Kenny, Kenny mentions it in the uh, IRC Soldier Fortune 2, which uh, I don't know <laughs> if that was ever played professionally as, a, as you know, in a tournament or anything. Like I'm sure it was somewhere, but um, I, I do remember Soldier of Fortune, Soldier of Fortune just being an awesome game. I don't think John's no. mentioning Eve, though. Uh, he isn't mentioning Eve, which is kind of surprising. I'm very I did surprised. see him say Evo a lot of times earlier in the chat, though. <laughs> uh, when, we were talking about, when we were talking about navigation, he was saying, my Evo does that, my Evo does that, my Evo does that, that sort of thing. So um, that's not surprising. But, uh, yeah, no, this is just kind of sad. Yeah. But I guess, you know, these are the customers that, that modern game publishers want because that's yeah. who they're selling them to. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, this is the reason why piracy is... No, I'm just I, I don't know. <laughs> this is bad. <sighs> um, yeah. talking, Selling to the lowest common denominator, I think, is what that's called, right? That's right, yes. yes. <laughs> terrible, really. Just, mm-hmm. just sad, terrible. 
Uh, talking about the release list, not a... N- no... Whoa. I just got a bleep. Yep. All right, that's fo- Folks are supposed to mute your phones when you're doing a show. Oh, that's me. Uh, no major huge titles to really talk about this week. So if you do want to look at the release list, feel free. Uh, the highlights this week, John will be very excited to know about, is Karaoke Revolution 2. Somehow I knew you were going to go to that one. Glee Volume 2 is coming up for the Wii. Um, <laughs> and so look for that. Uh, also, Mole Control for the PC is a great title. Check that one out. And Absolute Baseball for the Nintendo DS as well. Uh, but really nothing huge. Nothing at all. Uh, yep. so, so. Everybody's relaxing after Crisis and the 3DS last week. That's right. Everyone's throwing up every half an yeah, hour. that's right. Uh, so uh, well, <laughs> Trying to find their uh, ibuprofen to get rid of the headache. That's right. So, Joe, why don't you talk about real quick uh, any games that you played over the past week? Ooh, man, it was a retro week for me. Um, I played all the way through Mist. What? Mist. The original? M-Y-S-T. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I played all the way through Mist. Wow, on, really? uh, I, I actually, um, I think I played through it on one of my iDevices. Cool. And, uh, and now I just barely got started playing Riven, so I'm going to go through that. Uh, too. I haven't played nice. either one of those games in years, so it's been kind of fun to go back through them. Cool. Very cool. I, uh, yeah. Anything else? Uh. Oh, I finished Homefront finally. That's the only other thing. I heard Homefront is really short, though. The single player was pretty short. Yeah, yeah. it. I, I played it in stages, so I was. I only played it maybe a couple hours um, every other day or so. But uh, it's an interesting concept. Um, I'm, I'm going to give it some multiplayer try, and I'm really looking forward to dedicated server, which should, like I said, be dropping this week. Cool. Looking forward to that. Yeah, big time. Uh, as far as me, um, I'm trying to think here. Did I do any gaming? I guess I, I did some an- Angry Birds. I mean, it's mobile gaming, but it's something. Uh, but really, the majority of my gaming uh, was on pinball machines. Uh, this week, Last week, I had a lot of pinball play. Uh, Tuesday was what they call a multi-brawl tournament. Uh, it was up in Vancouver at the Cobot Hotel. There's like, I think, 10 machines. And it, it, there's this club called the Cobalt uh, off of Main Street in Vancouver, B.C. And I uh, took fourth in a tournament of about 20 people, which is really cool. And then over the weekend uh, was a league play for the Vancouver Regional Pinball Association, and I placed, uh, I think, ninth or tenth. And so now I'm, I believe I'm 14th or 13th in the overall rankings there as well. Um, and so I'm. So are you world ranked yet? Oh, I'm world ranked. Oh, you, you better believe it. Actually, let me, let me pull that up for, uh, for people to amaze themselves. In all my glory. <laughs> Have you broken the top 100? No, not yet. No, it's... 200? Uh, no. 300? Well, in the U.S. or, or the world? <laughs> I said world. World. Okay, you want world rankings. All right. <laughs> all right, so I, I'm pulling it up on the screen here. Here's the, the pinball rankings. Uh, and actually, we'll, we'll make this a regular feature of the show. Uh, so... <laughs> pinballrankings.com is the website you can go to uh, and check out the rankings of great players out there. Um, So let's go ahead and type in my name here, Nunes. And right now I am ranked 576 in the world. Wow. Yeah, so we'll we'll click on my name here. You'll get to see my lovely picture. Uh, And it shows you my active tournament results here. So my best result ever was at the Stern Launch Party in Seattle for the uh, Rolling Stones pinball machine, and I got second place there. Uh, So that's my best finish of all time. 
But uh, so there we go. I am currently ranked right now five seventy six. Yeah, that's that. Actually, I'm I'm looking at this now. You moved up. Yeah, six hundred and eighty one places since the last time they updated the list. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm I'm moving up strong. Um, yeah, and I'm 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 going to different. Uh, uh, events in the U.S. and Canada, uh, which makes it real convenient for me, and uh, I hope to do a couple of major events somewhere else in the U.S. throughout the year, money and time depending. Joe and I will be going to London at some point. I know we will. That's the hope, anyway. Yeah. Well, I I have enough frequent flyer miles to do it. Uh, I was I was actually adding them up, Joe, and I'm ready. I could do it. I, I can't get to to Europe, but I I have a one way ticket to Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we could swing that. Uh, <laughs> get to Hawaii uh, and all that fun stuff. Um, <laughs> now, next week, uh, we hope to uh, have... Uh, we. I did, I did tell everybody this week that we're supposed to have Vanessa Brown with us again. Uh, however, uh, because of the late start time, and she is three hours ahead of us, uh, and she had to get up at 7 a.m. Monday morning, that wouldn't have worked. So we hope to have her on next week, and we hope to start early. Also, we hope to have John in a more healthier mode. So I'm going to show John again one one quick time. John's been in the chat room chatting it up. And there's there's John. And there goes John. (laughs) All right. There we go. Um, As always, you can head over to our website at geekgamerradio.com. It will soon be refreshed and renewed by our great, awesome, super duper web person. Ty Caldwell. Uh, but in the meantime, this is what you got. And then on the right-hand side there is the lis- listener survey. Make sure you go ahead and click on that. Click on that button, and that will take you to our survey where you can uh, answer some questions. As you can see here, it will ask you what shows you listen to. If you listen to Geek Gamer Weekly audio and video, you'll check both boxes. You can check them all if you want. I don't care. Uh, but fill out the survey. Be honest. Let us know uh, what you think of the show. Uh, as always, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and on the Zune Marketplace. We uh, welcome all of our listeners on both of those platforms. But if you use Android, I believe you can use something called Google Listen. I believe that's the name of the app. I should look that up. Where you can um, just plug in your RSS feed. Uh, we're also uh, applying to be on the Stitcher app as well. Uh, and once we are able to launch that, we will bring that announcement to you. Also working on an app for the iPad, and for the iPhone. And Joe will eventually finish the Boxy app. Right, Joe? Yes, I will. (laughs) It is Google Listen, Betty Crocker does say. Yes. So, yeah, you can put in our RSS feed on Google Listen as well. Joe Falby, you can follow him on Twitter. His Twitter handle is at Falby, F-A-L-B-E-Y. And you can uh, check out Joe's Twit of the Week, on on Twitter, Twitter of the week or is it Twitter of the month? Twitter Twitter of the week. You should do at least one Twitter a week. I should do one one a week. Okay, one a week, I'll I'll push for I'll try for one a week. We'll yeah. see how it goes. Yeah. Uh, you can also follow uh, follow me on Twitter, uh, which is at Nunes N U N E S. I tweet like maybe once a day, maybe maybe more. Sometimes I come out in spurts, uh, a lot of them all at once. Uh, and also, you can follow the show. The show has a Twitter as well, at GG Weekly, uh, where you can find out when the new episodes are posted, when we go live. And if you're watching us live at Justin TV, once the show goes off the air, you can click a button on the screen and follow the show. Or you can follow the show now if you wish. 
and you'll get an email notification if you want to of when the show goes live or text message or whatever the case may be. So, um, anything final to say, Mr. Joe? I don't think so. I'm going to leave you with the last word. No? No, I, I don't really have anything. Okay. Oh, uh, well, I guess I should say that, you know, we, we, we had the screenshot from uh, Deus Ex up earlier from the the guy who doesn't know how to spell or um, know anything. Uh, and I, I guess I'll say if you're a PC gamer and you haven't played Deus Ex, uh, you should really give it a go because, like I said, it is um, well-regarded amongst most people and there are texture packs and stuff like that out there to make it look actually pretty good on modern systems. So it's well worth a playthrough. It is a long game. I will give you that warning. But it's it's uh, you know if if you found it for thirty bucks it would be worth at least thirty bucks so it is a really really good game and you can actually get Deus Ex on Steam for ten bucks so there you go you can get it for ten bucks it's really worth ten yeah. bucks then yeah ten bucks game of the year it's edition. worth three times more than it was at thirty bucks you can actually get both uh, the game of the year edition and the expansion pack Invisible War for twenty bucks total Invisible War was the second game oh second oh it was I thought it was an expansion yep. sorry my bad no in Deus Ex two Invisible War was the second game. Uh, oh, and that has better graphics, but uh, the gameplay isn't anywhere near as good as the first one. Um, I hope to also uh, review Need for Speed Shift 2. Um, I'm going to be downloading the demo and giving that a roll and letting you guys know if it's reign supreme when it comes to over Gran Turismo and Forza. So we'll see about that. Uh, well, since John's out like a light, and Joe's just there. I want to say thanks to Mr. Joe Falby for being here, Joe, this week. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it, man. That's good times. Yeah, absolutely. We should do a show when it's just you and I. Oh, wait, that's like almost every week. Uh, yeah, whenever it's just, whenever it's, you know, you, me, and John. John, yeah. 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 John, John's actually been listening to the show. He's been wearing headphones. I believe he's been listening. Yeah, he has. Well, maybe. His comments have probably been more constructive than normal. <laughs> Here he goes back to the chat room. He woke back up. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty then. Well, uh, for my for my good friend uh, Joe Falby and John Kessler, I'm Chase. And thanks for watching and listening to the show. We appreciate it. We'll see you again next week for another edition of Geek Gamer Weekly. And have a great week. See you later.